Okay, stop me if you've heard this one before, but there's another four-star football commitment to discuss on today's episode of Locked On the Louisville. Let's get right on into it. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On, the Louisville podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. At this time, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. For those who are not aware of who I am, I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcement work for the university in various sports. And I want to take this time to say thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On, the Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. On today's episode of the show, we are discussing four-star linebacker Stanquan Clark committing to the Cardinals program on Sunday afternoon, discussing um, the significance of the commitment and what he brings to the linebacking core and Brian Brown and Wesley McGriff's defense. Uh, we will then transition into taking a step back, looking at Flyville 23 as a whole. The class is now up to 14 commitments after the recent pledges from William Fowles and Stanquan Clark. We'll look at the possible areas of need to round out the class, and then uh, in the final segment, we will dive in to the weekly mailbag. So, um, beginning with the big news from the weekend, obviously, four-star linebacker Stanquan Clark uh, committed to the Cardinals program. Uh, this was a decision that most fans were pretty aware of. They were waiting for it to happen, anticipating, if you will, um, after the 502 barbecue, it seemed like there was a lot of traction from recruiting sites and things of that nature that Stanquan Clark was um, likely going to end up a Louisville Cardinal. And it seemed all but certain when 24 uh, 7 Sports uh, National Recruiting Analyst Steve Wiltfong um, put in a crystal ball for the uh, four star prospect out of the South Florida area. Uh, the six foot two, 215 pound uh, Miami Central standout is ranked as the 318th best prospect in the class, uh, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, um, the 25th best prospect at the position, and the 62nd best prospect in the state of Florida. He chose the Cardinals over programs such as Kentucky, NC State, Auburn, Miami, uh, so on and so forth. Um, actually visited uh, NC State and Kentucky Earlier in in the summer, um, in the month of June, there was a lot of traction for Kentucky. A lot of people thought that uh, Clark was going to end up as a Wildcat. And then a lot of the momentum started to shift toward the Wolfpack. And um, it seemed like it was all but certain that Stan Kwan was going to end up uh, a member of Dave Doran's program. And now the recent recruiting surge... Uh, that Louisville has been experiencing, uh, making up a lot of ground for a handful of prospects, really um, you know, creating some momentum in certain recruitments. Stanquan Clark being one of those players. As I mentioned, he, um, I believe he visited at some point early on. Yeah, he had an unofficial visit um, for the 502 barbecue at the end of uh, July. He had a 
I actually I stand corrected. He got offered um, at the beginning of March. There seems to be no record of him visiting the Cardinals program before the five hundred two barbecue. Um, so that's a pretty um, big impact that the Cardinals made on the four star linebacker from Florida. Um, in a article from Andrew Ivins of 24-7 Sports. Here's a couple quotes from Stanquan Clark. Louisville, like I have said before, is like the 305. It's a lot of people from Miami that's up there, and they treat me like family. Um, and that kind of goes along the lines of what a lot of the other recruits have been saying, that Scott Satterfield has really um, projected this family atmosphere. And that's somewhat, that's somewhat of a recurring theme that we've been – you know, kind of um, introduced to since Scott Satterfield's taken over here at the University of Louisville. He goes on to say, um, it's a good program with these guys that are coming to go up there. We should be able to turn the program around. Uh, his mom, uh, Elvia Roundtree, uh, said this. I like the staff. Everyone, everybody was very transparent. I know that my child is going to be set for the next three to four years they're going to steer him in the right direction and get ready for our, our ultimate goal. So um, a huge commitment for the University of Louisville, um, just continuing to rebuild that Florida uh, Sunshine State pipeline to the University of Louisville that has been a very generous pipeline over the past couple of decades and has been instrumental to the program's uh, levels of success since the early 2000s and even pushing beyond that um, you know, into the late 90s. So um, huge commitment for a handful of reasons. Number one, defensively speaking, Louisville is going to be losing a good amount of linebackers. Um, you know, after this season, Monty Montgomery is likely going to the league. Yasir Abdullah as well. Momo Sanogo is probably gone um, as well. Um, you know, the verdict is still out. I think Marvin Dallas, I think this is his last season. If not, he has one more season. But regardless, there are a lot of uh, spots to fill in, in this Louisville Cardinals linebacking committee. So um, Stan Quan Clark, a good addition um, in terms of replenishing uh, the cupboard, so to speak, in, in terms of the linebacking core. Andrew Ivins, I know I read this uh, when we discussed Stan Quan Clark visiting um, at, at the end of July, but I want to read it again because it gives you a good idea of what the Cardinals are getting um, in Stan Quan Clark as a player. Uh, kind of projects to be more as a, of an inside linebacker that can also play on the outside. Uh, Andrew Ivins, uh, Southeast Recruiting Analyst of 24-7 Sports, projected him as a Power 5 starter uh, back in May of this year. Here's his uh, scouting report. A new age linebacker that started his prep career off as a safety, but eventually moving closer to the line of scrimmage. Size is unverified, but believed to be hovering right around six foot one, 215 pounds heading into the senior season. The type of defender that has a knack for just making plays and at key moments, whether that be an interception on third down or a forced fumble when opponents are driving. Lined up primarily as an inside linebacker in a 4 3 front as a junior at Miami Killian. Spent most Friday nights simply crashing the A and B gaps. Will need to eventually improve tackling technique and must learn how to take down college-sized ball carriers, but has a bit of a mean streak to him and isn't afraid to lower the shoulder pads and deliver a blow. Tends to freelance, but has the flat, but has flashed the ability to read and diagnose, which is promising. Film study, however, will be likely huge at the next level as that will allow him to anticipate what might happen pre-snap. Should be viewed as a front seven defender with some three-down capabilities given defensive back background and speed profile. Um... 
Let's see. Figures to settle in as a Mike on Saturdays, but has some position ambiguity to him and could even emerge as a Jack in a 3-4 look should he add some pass rushing moves to the tool belt. Um, has a verified 11.24 100-meter dash uh, time. Um, I think that um, I agree with a lot of what Andrew says here, and that's the versatility is what is intriguing here. Although he projects to be as an inside linebacker at the next level, um, it seems that he's still a little bit uh, raw in terms of um, you know getting – uh, acclimated to the position, as Andrew mentioned, more of a safety that's you know continuing to transition into being a full-time linebacker. I think that that helps him, those um, qualities of being solid in coverage because he could slide into that role that uh, Ben Perry and Marvin Dallas are in possibly um, as a player that uh, can get after the quarterback but also is used in situations to where he's guarding tight ends or guarding slot receivers uh, because of those coverage abilities. When I watch him play, um, I, I really think that um, – you know, he's had a very solid transition into uh, just being able to shoot into the gaps, um, the A and the B gaps, like Andrew mentioned. Um, he does a good job of just essentially going sideline to sideline, um, you know, reading uh, plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think he's done a very solid job, you know, on film of just being able to go after the ball, uh, for lack of better terms. I know that kind of sounds cliche, but um, – it's kind of what you need at, at that position. I, I keep talking about whenever I talk about inside linebackers, I talk about Preston Brown, Keith Kelsey, guys that were seemingly involved in almost every play, and you heard their name called on almost every tackle, whether it's a solo or a combined tackle, just because they had a knack for, main pl for making plays. Uh, Stanquan Clark looks to kind of fit that mold as a player that, uh, like, like, like mentioned, has the versatility to be a three-down linebacker, can um, get out and cover – Guys in the secondary, uh, possibly, you know, toward the line of scrimmage or even, you know, get after the quarterback um, with his frame. It looks like he's going to have to add some weight at the next level being, you know, 6'2", 215, but he has a solid frame to build off of. So um, very, very solid addition here for the University of Louisville. I'm interested to see, um, although he projects at the inside linebacker, how is Scott Satterfield, Brian Brown and Wesley McGriff going to use him uh, moving forward? How do they view him coming into the program? Is he going to be more of a hybrid to where it's kind of based upon uh, personnel and um, different uh, base sets? Or is it going to be like a very clear-cut, defined role that they're going to have him in? Uh, the good thing about it is, is that they have options. Versatility is definitely um, you know, sort of the name of the game for this Louisville defense. So very, very excited to see uh, what his role projects at the next level. Um, the Cardinals program, 5023, is up to 14 commitments in the class of 2023. As I mentioned, what are the next areas of need to fill out the class? We will discuss that here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need 
the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. It allows you to create a free job post in seemingly minutes to reach the network and beyond to the world's largest professional uh, database of over 810 million people. Uh, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, heading right on in to the second segment. Flyville 23 is up to 14 members currently. The class is ranked as the 16th best class in the country according to 24-7 Sports. Uh, over half of the 14 commitments are ranked uh, by at least one recruiting service uh, as at, le you know, at least a four-star, uh, which is, is huge news. Um, only two programs ahead of the Cardinals in the team rankings have less than 15 commitments. That is big news because, well, it basically spells out the fact that Louisville is probably going to continue to shoot up the rankings um, whenever they continue to add more commitments. Um, in terms of how they're going to fill out the rest of the class, well, the good news is with how well you know, the coaching staff has done on the recruiting trail thus far. Well, the, the staff has options. More importantly, they have the luxury to swing for the fences here with the remaining spots and, and be selective, try to go after some of the bigger fish in the class of 2023, and they have the luxury to kind of play the waiting game. Some of these guys don't necessarily make their decisions until later on in the fall, maybe going into 2023. Um, so they have the ability to hold some spots in, um, you know, in preparation to try to, you know, be the uh, prospects, uh, you know, decision at the end of his, of at the end of their respective uh, recruitment. So, um, in terms of some names, obviously Deuce Robinson, the number one ranked tight end, who's projected as a wide receiver, he's a player that you know, you know, Louisville can definitely focus on. Leviticus Sua, the four star linebacker uh, from the West Coast, is another player. Uh, that you know we can look at, but in terms of what they have right now, in terms of the positions of need going forward, well, let's break it down. Offensively speaking, there's not much more to look into here. Um, you have your quarterback of the future. You have Pierce Clarkson. You have your running back. You have Ruben Owens um, at the tight end position. You have Jamari Johnson. Um, wide receiver wise, you just got a commitment from four star wide receiver William Fowles. You have one from four star wide receiver DeAndre Moore Jr. Jaleel McClain could be a wide receiver at the next level or a defensive back. And then you have three offensive linemen and Jordan Church, uh, Luke Burgess, 
and um, Madden Sanker. So you have a good amount of uh, traction on the offensive side of the ball to where in terms of uh, what you need to look at moving forward, a lot of it's geared toward the defense, but you can still continue to address the offense. Um, I know that Tyon Evans, there's a chance that he may go to the league after this year. Um, you never know with like attrition or anything like that. They may opt to go after another running back in the class, but they do have uh, a four-star running back committed in 2024, so it's kind of hard to project that. Um, you may look to go after another tight end with the departure of Marshawn Ford, uh, That you know, looking at Deuce Robinson. But I think that offensive line and wide receiver are the places to look at on the offense. Um, the wide receiver room is already – um, lacking depth, and there's possibilities that you're going to lose, um, you know, some players next year to, to the draft uh, and to graduation as well. So replenishing the wide receiver position is big. Um, maybe they look at a guy like Deuce Robinson. Obviously, there's room. It would not surprise me for the coaching staff to go with four to five guys at the position because seemingly they really need it. Um, offensive line wise, you know. Kind of is what it is. You have three already, but you can still continue to add more because you're going to lose uh, guys like Caleb Chandler, maybe Brian Hudson, uh, you know, maybe Adonis Boone, some guys, um, you know, in in that um, you know starting offensive line. But you still have guys that are waiting in the wings. So three is a good number. It, you know, you possibly look to add maybe one to two more guys. Um, defensively speaking, is where I think the most work is needed. Obviously, you have uh, some help in the secondary. You have uh, Aaron Williams at cornerback. Um, you also have uh, a guy like Jaden Davis at safety from Swanee, Georgia. You have Raekwon Adkins, the cornerback. Um, and, and then after that, it, it's Stanquan Clark at linebacker, Adonijah Green um, at the edge, and, and that is all that you have um, in, in the defense. Um, so I think that – you know, every position could use a, another, or you know, it could use another recruit. Uh, maybe at the edge, maybe they go with one more. Uh, I think that defensive line is a spot uh, of need because you know you have a guy like Jermaine Lolay who could be leaving after this year for the NFL draft. He's a player that is going to make a big impact. Um, getting some more defensive line and one to two interior guys would be huge. Um, a handful more linebackers because I, like I mentioned, Stanquan Clark is a good addition. But at the end of the day, this is also an instance to where, hey, look, it's going to be, um, you know, uh, a task to replace a lot of these players that are possibly going to be leaving. You know, Monty Montgomery, um, uh, Yasir Abdullah, Momo Sanogo, the list goes on. And then the back end, Kendra Duncan Jr. is is going to be gone after this year you're going to be losing a lot in the cornerbacks room so um you know you could possibly be looking to add some guys there i mean we're talking about you know martel height and um jeremiah collins being committed earlier so it looks like they're going to add at least two defensive backs um in the flyville 23 class so um I, I think most of the attention will need to be focused on defense now obviously you can still kind of spruce up some depth spots on offense at wide receiver and offensive line specifically but if i were ranking the uh, priorities of need moving forward you'd probably be looking at number one is linebacker number two um defensive line number three um secondary number four wide receiver number five offensive line. So um, there is a recruiting question um, in the mailbag that I think it would be a perfect segment, uh, a 
perfect segue into the next segment. Um, it, the first question is about the transfer portal and how it relates to the 5023 class. We'll get to that question and the rest of the questions here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs by now, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? It is delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce to you your new favorite cookie dough chunk. Puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, as are all of the Built Bar products. You can go to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be a perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. All the protein uh, benefits of a protein bar, but also the deliciousness of a candy bar go to build.com use the promo code locked on 15 and get 15 percent off your order check out all the variety of flavors that they have using the promo code locked on 15 for 15 percent off at built.com hey cardinal fans thanks again for making locked on the wolf your first listen of the day just a reminder the show is free on all streaming services five days a week your team every day Moving right along into the mailbag, I hinted at a recruiting question to start out with. The first question is, how much do you think the Cardinals will utilize the transfer portal as it pertains to the 5023 class? Um, simply put, I think that they're going to use a lot, utilize it quite heavily as they did with this past year um, because they can. Um, and honestly, probably because they will need to. Um, not to say that some of these highly rated freshmen aren't going to be able to come in right away and uh, – put together, you know, solid production, but with as many starters that they could potentially be replacing in 2023, um, it is imperative that the program goes out and gets, you know, um, you know, veteran led talent guys that have played at the college level before, and you have the spots to be able to go out there and pitch, uh, starting positions possibly. Um, and that's a, a big, um, you know, way to be able to um, persuade big-name talent. Obviously, Scott Satterfield really utilized the transfer portal um, ahead of this season. Jermaine Lole on the defensive line, uh, Quincy Riley, Jarvis Brownlee Jr., MJ Griffin, Nicario Harper, um, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, Tyler Hudson, D. Wiggins, Tyon Evans, the list goes on. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, you know, impact-ready guys that have been added to this program. So simply put, I think that um, it's going to be a situation to where we're going to see, you know, the staff with with how well they've done so far recruiting-wise, they're going to probably take their time, be a little bit more selective, which is good uh, to fill out the class. I, I don't feel comfortable focusing on the number 25, which is usually the scholarship cap for a certain season with the players possibly transferring, you know, it's, it's a, uh, a give and take situation. So numbers are pretty fluid in today's um, transfer portal realm. So uh, moving forward on into the football schedule, do I, okay, hold on. I read that wrong. Okay. It's actually starts out as a statement. I'm not necessarily as confident as you are in the football team. I'm looking at five and seven and six and six for this season. Am I wrong in feeling this way? I mean, it's your opinion. 
Um, you know, I'm not going to say you're wrong in feeling that way. I mean, I think that if you were to ask most people what they have Louisville projected at this year, you're probably looking at about six to eight wins. Um, I think five is probably on the little low side, even six, personally speaking, I think it's a little low. Um, I think that they can get five wins in the first six games. Uh, you're probably talking about, I, I don't want to kind of shoo this in as a, a, a surefire victory, but Syracuse and James Madison are probably victories. Um, South Florida as well. So you're looking at three victories, Central Florida, Florida State, Boston College, Virginia. Um, there's possibility right there that, I mean, there it's not far-fetched to believe that Louisville can go six and one, five and two in that stretch. And then you're already at that mark with five games remaining on the schedule, albeit they are against Kentucky, NC State, Clemson, Wake Forest, and um, who am I forgetting? Um, or maybe I'm not forgetting anyone. That might be the remainder. Um, no Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. I was forgetting someone. Um, so I think five and seven, six and six, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're wrong in thinking that way because I mean, it's all based on opinion. Uh, some people are higher on the team than others. I know that for some, um, you know, you can't really get behind the moral victories where we're, we were that close to winning because it all comes down to wins and losses at the end of the day. I get that if you're in a, like a, um, a show me type of mentality, which kind of everyone should be in, um, but ultimately, with the players coming back for this team, with the continuity of year four, with how close they were to being possibly nine and three last season, yeah, I'm looking at um, you know, probably higher than five to six wins. Um, moving on over into the um, no, we'll stay at football for for the moment. There's one more football question. Uh, there's been talks about Des Tell being the uh, first team starter over Jermaine Lolay on the interior defensive line. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, we're still a couple weeks away from the season, so I'm not going to put too much emphasis on the depth chart just yet. We'll see how things look right before the um, before the the first game against Syracuse when the official depth chart is released. Um, I think that both players are going to see significant playing time. Jermaine Lolay still obviously learning the ropes. Uh, was a late addition, but this is a, a, a good sign that Des Tell is uh, turning the corner and really taking that next step in his development. If this is true, where a lot of this is more on, you know, Des Tell winning that, um, you know, first team uh, recognition rather than Jermaine Lole losing it, then that's very, very beneficial for the program. Uh, I am very, very high on Des Tell, um, you know, in, in terms of his projection for the future. I think that he is a possible NFL level talent. Um, I really, really am excited to see what he brings to the table this year. So seeing him on the first team depth chart right now is, is significant news because it shows that obviously he's putting in that work and it's starting to pay off. Um, the last question is basketball. Um, it seems like Fabio Basili could be joining the team here soon. What is a realistic role look like for him year one? Um, there's a big segment that I want to do on this, um, assuming that he does join the program. Um, we will wait for the official news on that to, uh, hold that official segment. Um, but realistically speaking, um, you know, this probably won't go over well with a lot of fans, but I think it's, you know, maybe 10 minutes of game action of, you know, um, a solid assist to turnover ratio numbers, kind of like a Quentin Snyder to where maybe he doesn't come in as a scorer right away, but he he's a guy that affects the game in a lot of different ways. So if he's coming in and giving you high-level minutes um, on defense, helping the ball flow on offense, um, seemingly just giving L. Ellis some, um, you know, 
giving him some breathers and um, not reducing the level of play on the court uh, when Ellis goes off the court. I think that that's a realistic expectation because even if he is a very underrated prospect, which it seems like from a lot of you know coming from a lot of people that that seems to be the case, even if he is a top one hundred player, not. All the time, do top 100 players come in right away and give you substantial contributions? So um, th- I think a realistic expectation is giving you anywhere from about 7 to 10 minutes of of solid off-the-bench action in a role that you know allows him to utilize um, you know his ball handling and, and be able to possibly run the show um, in, in the second or third unit. So um, realistically speaking, obviously. So talked about Stan Quan Clark's commitment, um, what the future holds for Flyville 23, and dove into the weekly mailbag segment. Be sure to check out Locked on ACC for all your conference news. That podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. Like this show is on five days a week for your team, or I guess for your teams every day. Um, thanks again uh, for tuning in. We are nearing 700 subscribers on YouTube, another milestone that is um, greatly appreciated. Thank you to everyone that's out there liking, subscribing, sharing, listening to the podcast on whatever streaming service that you utilize. But that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day. Have a great start to your week. We will see you right back here tomorrow.